0: good to see you guys. Hope you guys are having a good weekend so far. Sunday fun day. If this is your first time at Fathom, we just want to say? Welcome. That was lame. If it's your first time at Fathom, we just want to say? Welcome. And we genuinely mean it. We really want you to get connected here. Um, it, it's hard to, many times we look at our relationship with God as something independent of the church, but it's hard to have a relationship with the head of the church, Christ, without also having a relationship with with his body, you can't host the groom without also hosting the bride, which is what Scripture refers to as the church. And so, we're thankful that you're here. We, we pray that you get a chance to grow in faith and family. Uh, if you've been connected at Fathom, we hope that you take the next steps of of getting connected in this body. Whether it's joining a serve team or joining an anchor group, we want you to get connected uh, today and this week. And uh, God's doing good things in our groups, and we're excited about that. Good things in our teams, and so this month is going to be a cool month. We're actually spending the whole month looking at marriage. And uh, next week, if you've got kids, if you've got what I like to call youngins, yes, if you have youngins, next uh, Saturday night, there's a free date night. Not free, not free. I knew I was going to do that. It's not free. It's $5, which is the closest thing to free. Besides one, two, three, and $4, it's the closest thing to free. (laughs) and that 's the cheapest child care you 'll find in town five bucks uh, per kid, our fathom kids department is uh, taking care of that, so be blessed uh, this coming weekend and also the weekend after that uh, february twenty second four thirty right in this building we 're going to be having a marriage seminar, and this is not like a classic marriage conference where all the married folks get together and spend a whole weekend crying and boohooing. but it, maybe there 'll be some of that, but really it 's an invite to everyone, both single and married, or if you're in a serious relationship or a complicated relationship, you can uh, join us for that. It's going to be a cool time uh, to be together, and so I'm looking forward to what God's going to share in that time. Again, it is for everybody, so all are invited, and there's no charge for that, free dinner and child care for that as well. So we're excited about this month, going to be a fun time. Um, This is a a series that I've been really wanting to to preach on for a while, and so we'll be discussing lots of things, discussing singleness, which is where we're going to start today. All the single ladies. How does that song go? Come on, aren't you guys supposed to say sing with it or something? Yeah, I don't really know how the dance goes, so you're not going to get that. If I knew it, I may would break into it, but I don't know it, so um, God bless Beyonce. So, um, But uh, we're going to be talking about singleness today, so it's going to be uh, a lot of fun, and uh, next week we'll be talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about um, sex. Yes, I said the S word i we'll to be talking about that this month, and also we'll be talking about marriage failure, something that uh, many of us go through and uh, have to deal with on uh, a regular basis in the life of our own families and our uh, extended families. So we're we'll going to be talking about that this month as well. So I'm excited to dive in today. Uh, as you can imagine, before I was married, I was single. I know that's mind-boggling to think about, but before I was married, I was single. And uh, I w- actually, before I was uh, really in-, in a relationship with my wife, uh, we dated for uh, a few years before we got married. Before I was in a relationship with her, I was in another dating relationship for like uh, two and a half, three years. I got to college, got out of that relationship, and then a couple of months later, I'm in this relationship with Taryn. I just turned 19, I think, at the time. And then by age 20, we were engaged. By 21, we were married. And so if you think that I'm going to talk about singleness and how to date better, you're very, very wrong because I literally have no idea. God, I couldn't be trusted as a single person, so God's like... I, and and so I'm I'm half the man I'm tenth the tenth of the man I am without my wife so I'm thankful for her um, today and and so but I, this isn't going to be one of those messages like how to how to date better because I I really have no idea dating's changing so quickly with all the web stuff and apps like Tinder I have no idea how any of that works or to tell you how to do it better so if you're like expecting that I got nothing but uh, what I do want to do is is, is come uh, into this place and. And teach us the importance of what God does uh, in the lives of singles and uh, what he wants to do and what the scriptures say about that. And I believe that God wants to affirm our singles in in the room today. uh, Because some of you feel like less than, and I want to encourage you and prove to you in the Bible that you're more than. And that God's got incredible plans for you uh, in this season of your life, however long or short it might be. And so uh, I'm looking forward to, to diving into the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know, it's funny that many times we look at um, at singleness. No, we're not jumping into the scripture quite yet, but we look at singleness many times like it's, uh, some of you might look at it as a, like it's some kind of disease or something. And many times in our society, it's looked at as like it's a less than fully realized adult life. And I think married folks can view it this way. I think sometimes singles view it this way, like we're less than, realized. And what's interesting is that all of the religions up to Christianity always said that to really have a a realized uh, adult, fulfilled adult life, you must be married. You must have children. You must own land. Like that is what was the pinnacle of an adult life looked like. in all religions up to Christianity. Christianity broke that mold and really no other religions that have been born since them, predominantly, um, probably 99% of them, still say the same thing uh, about marriage and the adult life, but if we look at the scriptures, the author and founder of our faith never took a wife. He was single his entire adult life, and the main teacher of the New Testament, Paul, the apostle Paul, chose uh, solitude and singleness his entire life. He chose it, And, and so so those in the house that are single today and that you may feel less than, our, our faith says differently. <laughs> and so I want to encourage you and, and affirm you for where you're at today. And God's also laid some correction in, um, from the scriptures today that I want to share as well, which may be a little less exciting to take, but uh, it, it's what I, I believe the Lord's given me to share. Um, and let me, I think before we go any further, I think I need to define what singleness is. I know that sounds crazy, like how you don't need to find singleness, but I think I do because uh, before we were uh, we launched down here in Jacksonville and launched this church, we were uh, young adult and college pastors as well as being uh, worship pastors at a church, and and we had, there was a couple that was dating for quite some time um, while we were there, and she, you know, they weren't married, but she would always refer to her boyfriend as her spouse, and every time she would, we'd be like, "Huh? Like, he's not your spouse." she'd always refer to him as her spouse, and so she did it a couple more times, and we're like, what? Did she really think that, like, that's her spouse, like, that's not her spouse, a spouse is someone that you're married to, and so she'd always refer this, and we're like, okay, we'll just let it slide, and then finally, one time she said it again, we're like, hey, dear, you know that's not your spouse, like, a spouse, you know what a spouse is, right? And she's like, yeah, 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 all right, me and my spouse are gonna leave, and she wasn't saying it, like, joking, <laughs> it was just so ingrained in her, and she so wanted that for her life, um, but uh, it took a lot longer than what she had hoped for guys have some issues sometimes with commitment. I'm sure you've never heard that, but um, so anyway, it was uh, it was just a process. But singleness is the the state of not being married. If you look on your taxes, there is no in a committed relationship <laughs> or in a complicated relationship or thrice divorced. Like none of that stuff's on there. It's single and married, and and there's a, there's a. a Distinction there, and I, I believe the scriptures want to pour into our singles today. So if you're not married, you're single, and so I, I feel like I do need to define that. Not that any of you are calling to my your date and your spouse, but still, and, and the culture that we live in today, man, says is saying a lot of things of, about marriage. Uh, but between all the gay marriage stuff in the in the news reels and the statistics thrown around all the time, there's a a real kind of blurry picture about what marriage is. I mean, the statistics tell me that 50% of you in this room, like your families, have been through divorce. The statistics tell me that in your personal relational life, 50% of you will go through a divorce at some point in your life. That's the statistics. And so for some of the singles in the house that may feel like this is a good time to ease out, like I'm just going to chill out for the next month and kind of avoid this hairy topic in my life, Let me ask you this, like especially for those of you that desire to be married or married again, let me ask you this, like if your desire was to go skydiving, but you heard the statistics that 50% of the people were dying, but you want to really, really skydive or skydive again, but the statistics are kind of gnarly about it, and then you heard this class was being offered to help you figure out how to survive skydiving, you'd probably show up if you really wanted to skydive. And so I encourage you to lean in over the next few weeks. And and with the way this this series will um, set up throughout this month, there's going to be topics that will sometimes address you directly and will address others. And the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that it's all beneficial and encouraging to our our spiritual walks because uh, you may come along a a certain person in your life or a friend that's going through that scenario and God pours into your life in a way that you can share that. So stay open to what God's teaching um, through his scriptures today. And so I'm looking forward to to diving in. in. Um, and as I said, the scriptures have so much to say about it. Jesus and Paul are examples. And so that's where we're, we're going to start with some teaching from Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we're going to begin today. It says this, I say this as a concession, not as a command. And Paul had, had just got done basically saying, hey, husbands, wives, don't refuse your partner sex. Yes, the Bible says have sex with your spouse don't refuse them. As I, I say this as a concession, as a preference, as an indulgence, like indulge me for a second, uh, as he's teaching, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. He's talking about singleness. One has this gift, another has that gift. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Paul's saying several things here about his perspective on singleness. The first thing he's, he's saying is that this is not a command, it's a preference, okay? It's not a command, it's a preference. Him just sharing, and he, later in the chapter, he's going to begin to spill out his heart why he feels that this is a gift. And, you know, so the first thing is it's a preference, not a command. That's, that's very obvious what he's saying here. And the second thing that he, he's saying here is really that, um, my brain just lost it. Um, Not only that it's a a gift or a command, what's the, yeah, that it's a gift. And as I say this, some of you, the single people in the house, be like saying, it's easy for you to say it's a gift, bro. Um, I don't see it as a gift. I see it as a curse. But look at this. I'm not saying this. Paul's saying this. And Paul was single his entire life. And if we really begin to look in the context, and what we'll actually read here in just a few minutes down in verse 28 and beyond he, he's explaining why he feels that singleness is a gift, and we could go and read that. I think you could also, uh, as another route, single folks in the house, you could go ask a mom who would love to trade your life for just one night, <laughs> and you'd, uh, you'd, you'd get a glimpse of the, the gift part, but Paul's saying this for a reason, and it's not out of, out of a place of and I think we begin to think that Paul just never had a desire for women. He never had a desire for relationships, and I don't think that's necessarily what he's saying here. I think that his passion for the kingdom is what took over here. And so for him, it's a preference, um, and it, it, he sees that's a gift that everyone doesn't have. And, he, and I think he, he's viewing it as a season of life, whether long or entire life, that it is a gift from the Lord to be able to serve in ministry. But some of us, before we go any further, we've got the really wrong perspective about marriage. Marriage used to look like this, that one person wanted to have someone else, and they wanted to fulfill their dreams, and they wanted to be that special someone for for them. But now it's slightly changing that I want to find that special someone for me and that they can fulfill my dreams. And and there's a little difference, but it's a major difference in that our view used to be, I wanted someone so I could fulfill them. And and now it's it's looking, I want someone that can fulfill me. I want someone that will make my career, that will believe in my career and do that. But it's really about sacrifice and not selfishness. And so there's a very big difference. And I'm gonna also be sharing just about cohabitating and like living together before marriage and what that really is saying and how the lines begin to get blurred in there and how that can really be a detriment to our marriage um, later, later down the road. Uh, verse 3, Paul says it's good to stay single. Like, his desire is that we stay single. Like, okay, and so some of us are like, I- I'd rather not. But again, it's just a preference for him. He's saying it's good to be single. We'll look later in the chapter, and it'll explain this. Paul says you should marry if you really love someone, can't control yourself, or you're burned with passion. And so, again, I would like to reject, like, a, a very carnal view Of this and approach it with a more kind of holistic view of of loving someone, that burning with passion is not just uh, a sexual thing, but it's also a genuine love and desire for someone, that you burn with passion for them, and and you want them, and and he says if if that's the case, then uh, you should marry. In fact, earlier in this chapter, There's so much immorality going on that he's like, look, every woman needs to have a man. Every man needs to have a woman. Like He's just like, we need to to get in one relationship because there's so much carnal flesh stuff, immorality taking place that we need to be uh, in a union together because there's so much just sleeping around going on um, and other fornication. So this is really where it begins. And that's really where I want to start with us today as uh, the singles in the room is an affirmation to say that you're not less than. But the scriptures, via Jesus and via Paul, says you're more than, and and what I would desire for you in in this today and for the next week or or four weeks is that we begin to see this as a gift. And not that I can say it's a gift, but a gift for the kingdom of God. Because what he's going to begin to describe is that in, in a married life, there are certain problems that come with it, and one of those is divided responsibilities, more stress and more responsibility. And, you know, I, I don't want to get into a whole argument on that, but, but ultimately that's what Paul's saying, is that there's, there's more things. That you have divided devotion. You're worried about pleasing your husband. You're worried about pleasing your wife and taking care of kids than you are with the time that's available to be able to pour into the kingdom of God. And so that's really what Paul's view on the whole gift of singleness is. And so we begin to, to look into... Um, into later in this chapter, and I think he's going to begin to describe that, and I I wanted to to, to just take this moment to just um, affirm you, and and say, and anyone in the room that would view a single as less than a fully adult realized life, then uh, I would say it's not biblical. It's not biblical to view them in that way, and and that uh, we're all one in Christ, and and though many times, like, you may feel like you walk in, uh, married couples in the house, you need singles in your life, And singles in the house, you need married couples in your life, that we're the body of Christ to build one another up, and we bring different things to the table. And so regardless of what that looks like for you in the future, and your desire for marriage, or lack of a desire for marriage, um, I I think the scriptures leave it open for you right there. That if you desire that, you can't control yourself, you're burning with passion, then to to go ahead and marry. But also to understand like there's some things that come with that in concern to the kingdom of, of God, which is what Paul is most concerned about and why he didn't want to get married because he was giving his life over to the gospel and and going everywhere. It was much more difficult to move the family than it was for him to just go up on on a missionary journey that he did all the time. And so that's what we we see in the scriptures. Let's slide on down to verse 28 and let's read and see what Paul would continue to explain. He speaks a, a lot about marriage, divorce, all kinds of things in this text. But if you do marry again, he's describing you haven't sinned. If a virgin marries, she's not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. They'll face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that time is short. He had a really like God's coming back, and like we need to get some things done from now on. Those who have wives should live as if they do not. That's like a really hardcore message. It is like I'm not going to tell my wife that I'm not going to like sit down. Hey, babe, we're going to do this devotion tonight. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. Those that have wives should treat them like you don't have a wife. That will not be our family devotion this week. But it's what he's saying. I think what he's, it sounds offensive. Like it's so aggressive in such a term. And he's saying like, be committed to the kingdom of God. Like that's what he's giving his life over to. So so much of this is speaking out of a preference here. But if you do, uh, those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. He's talking about sacrifice. He's talking about sacrifice. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them for this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world and how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. This is an explanation of what he's talking about in that giftedness. Unmarried woman uh, or virgin is concerned about the Lord's, affair. uh, Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I, say, uh, I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Remember that. Let's read that last one again. I'm saying this for your own good. As God just in worship just a few moments ago, he was talking about, I I think really sharing with us, just surrender and seeking his face and wanting more of him and what that, that exchange looks like. It's for our good not to restrict us, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Whether married or single, a right way of undivided devotion to the Lord. And the truth of the matter is that some of us have idolized marriage. We idolize marriage. And we begin to worship the created and not the creator. And it's very easy for us to do in really good intentions. And and we begin to idolize this platform of marriage, whether you're single or married. And it's dangerous. And Paul's pushing us away from it and saying, have undivided devotion to the Lord. Not not to, to just doing whatever they say at a whim, but both have a, a sacrificial mindset that whatever you have, whatever the Lord gives you, whatever he brings into your life, see it at, with a sacrific- sacrificial kingdom perspective. And I think that's what he's pouring in. And, and so what I feel like the Lord's told me to do is just really debunk some myths about marriage, about singleness, according to the scriptures today. Um, because again, there's so much just knowledge and news media and and the most important thing for us is the word of god and what god has to say about it and one of the things with that is it's exchanging the things that we think again like i was just saying i thought were a restriction in my life and i realized that it was for my good and it was for the good of the body and the community and so i want to share some of these and the first myth that i think some of us have is that marriage will fix this if you're in a dating relationship or you're single Marriage will fix this. Marriage will fix my financial problems. It'll fix my sexual urges. It'll fix my addictions. It'll fix my issues. And you want to know the truth is that it won't. Marriage will not fix it. In fact, it might amplify some of the junk on the inside because you'll see that there's a, a, a tearing apart that takes place as we realize that we've gone into, into it realizing that most of the time we want to fix them and that's really the next myth. The next myth is that he or she will change. We believe this, like some, and even married folks, singles and married delight. we think that he or she will change, and here's the truth of the matter. They may change, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. They may change, but it may take a really long time. And the things that you want to change may not be the things that God thinks they need to change. It may be the things that need to change in you. And so many times we look at relationships and there's a fight over control. And what Paul's bringing us to in the the beginning of this text or right before this text we were looking at is a sacrificial perspective in which we're both honoring the Lord more than we're honoring our own desires. And that's what he's, now go back to to the last one. He or she will change because it it may, it may change. They may change. It, It may fix you, but it may take a long time. Because part of our nature as human beings is selfishness and what marriage confronts in our life and wh- why some of us, they talk about, oh, if you can get past, you ever heard this? If you can get past year one, or you can get past year seven, that's all a bunch of baloney. Like, it, that doesn't matter. It's a sacrifice from day one to the last day. It's all a sacrifice. It's all growth. It's all changing. And so if you think there's like some kind of mile marker to get past, yeah, yeah, tell that to the folks who, who their marriage fell apart after that mile marker. There is no mile marker. It's a constant sacrifice daily that takes two people. takes two people really moving forward. And it takes a ton of patience and grace. Um, I've, the, things, the changes that God's done in my life has been with my wife's patience and grace in my life that I've needed very badly from before we were even married where I had to confess some things to her and be like, hey, I need help in this, or, or, or different things that are going on in life, and I need your patience, I need your, your grace, I need your mercy. And uh, that's the beauty of marriage, And that God invites, God wants to be in the middle of it, and many times we don't allow God in the middle of it. We got this, we got this. But God really wants to be in the middle of it. I think the next myth that we have is fighting is normal. You probably hear that in a lot of counseling sessions. And it just depends on your definition of fighting. Uh, I had this friend back in the day who we would love to go out to dinner with this guy. We'd love to go out to dinner with this guy because he would tell us the craziest fighting stories between his grandma and grandpa. I mean, it was hysterical the things that happened. Like, this cannot be real life. This is like Jerry Springer on crack. Like, it is, it was just insane. Like, his grandmother, like, you think of a grandmother, like, she's so sweet. Like, sometimes, like, I think his grandmother threw, like, a microwave oven out of the top floor at her grandfather. Like one time, she took a boot and nailed him right in the square in the head. <laughs> he was like, "Grandpa, what happened to your head?" He's like, "Well, your grandma nailed me with a boot." You know. I think there was another time, and this sounds insane. It doesn't even sound possible, but this woman was tough. I think she pushed pushed a fridge out the front door. Like she was chasing him with a fridge and pushed it out the front door, trying to get him out of the house. That just sounds too crazy to be true. But I think she, had, she was also the one that had a baby in the morning and she was back working in the fields by lunchtime. I mean, she was just a hardcore lady. And so it depends on what fighting being normal looks like. Some of us, like normal growing up is throwing things and like that's normal. And, like let me be honest, like that's not normal. Like some of us, like the only thing we knew in our house was volume 25 on a scale of 10 and the only volume we know how to fight in is ten, like 10 or like above normal like screaming, that's all we knew. And we think that's normal. But let me tell you what Matthew 5, Jesus' first big sermon, you know, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. And I'm thankful, like, I believe it's a gift from the Lord that God's given both me and my wife, um, the the, the gift of peacemaking and harmony, and that we desire that. And, And if you come from a place which those crazy kind of things are, are normal, I just, just seek the Lord. Like, say, God, give me a heart to be a peacemaker. Help me contr- control my anger and rage, because with some of that, we, we've got issues, and like, as we begin to get into this talk about singleness, marriage, divorce, like, sexuality, like, oh my gosh, like, we're starting to deal with some really, really heavy-hitting stuff, and so if you feel uncomfortable, it's probably good. It is, like if you start feeling uncomfortable as I, I approach topics that hurt, if you start to feel anger or like frustration, like yeah, yeah, probably so. It's probably because God's trying to get it in there and we've got some pain there. We've got some real pain and, and so we don't even know how much pain we have. I wish there was like a bucket that we could see how much pain is developing in our life and so of that rage and throwing stuff is because the bucket is so far overflowing but God wants to empty that bucket, bring it to my feet, you know, find rest, bless are the peacemakers. And so that's really, I think, the relationship that God's wanting to uh, invite us in to, together. Here's a, a really touchy one in uh, our culture is the next one, is that cohabitation is a, a good idea before marriage. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that it's not a good option. It's not a good option, and let let me explain this why. Because some of us w- will struggle with this because that's our situation, or we've got friends and we understand the the struggle of what that looks like. Um, and, and let me just say, if if you don't find that like the scripture is inerrant, this is a, an issue that we find both Christians and non-Christian research proves that it's not a good idea. And so this isn't just a Christian idea, this is really a non-Christian idea across our culture um, that statistics show that it's, it's not a good option. And, and here's the deal, it proves that over the um, cohabitation, like after marriage, there's a much higher rate of infidelity. And here's what I, I believe it boils down to, is that God wants our sex life He wants it. Like, he's designed it, and it's good. He created it and said it's good. Adam and Eve, it's good. And he wants our sex life. And sex is sacred. In our culture, sex is not sacred. Like, gosh, it's tough for me to, like, hit the mall because I know a Victoria's Secret model is going to be there, and she's going to be, like, completely naked except for, like, some pasties or something. Like, sex is not sacred in our culture. It's not. But it's sacred in Scripture. And that's the world we live in, and it's so sad, like, because, like, men, you can't even tell, like, how old a girl is because her sexuality is, like, introduced to her at age five, and, like, she's ready for skimpy skirts and to be sexy. She's wearing a shirt that says something about being sexy when she's five or six years old. Like, our culture has changed because we don't view sex as sacred, and that's just the truth of the matter, and, and, and here's the truth of the matter is, is that I've fallen short of the glory of God in my, in my sexuality. So I come from that place in, in, in sex before marriage. So I come from that place. And so I, I want you to honestly know that I'm coming from a, just a complete humble place. But the statistics, part of it is because we begin to, we're still living as individuals. And there's selfishness that comes with that, naturally. Like we're looking out for our own self-interest. And that's why so much I was pointing to in that scripture of sacrificial life and living that sacrificial kingdom life of undiv- undivided devotion to the Lord because that's really preparing us for marriage because the, our selfishness and sacrifice begins to hit. And, and when marriage is usually when psychologically, this is what the researchers, Christian and non-Christian alike, say is that the psychology can't flip as well of making this decision, okay, we get married and we move in together. So that's, that's the thing about that that I, I think That is is difficult to to hear and wrestle with, and it's a very common, it's commonplace in our culture. But the beauty of of what Scripture teaches is that He's got something good. It's not to restrict us, but it's for the good that He has for us. And there's redemption in that, like every other thing that there is. Um, The next one that I think is a myth in our lives, I believe it's that their past doesn't matter to me. I hear people say this all the time. Their past doesn't matter to me. I just want the right person. Their past doesn't matter to me. Okay. You say that until you start hearing his last girlfriend's name announced and then, oh, all of a sudden your past does matter. Like, all of a sudden it does. Like, all of a sudden it does matter when you start seeing him act like his father, which he said he would never be. Okay, so the past does matter. Like, past doesn't matter to me until you try to get a house and he's got terrible credit. Like, okay, past does matter to you. Like, so let's just talk about it. Like, that's the reality of the situation is the past does matter. It doesn't matter to me. And that there's grace and wisdom in these things, um, but pray for grace, peace, and wisdom in, in those. If you're looking for a person that doesn't have baggage, good luck, because we all got it, and we all got a lot of it—a lot more than what we look like in our pretty Sunday clothes. Goodness gracious! If we were carrying our bag, if we were actually carrying our baggage in here today, there's this show, and Jerry Springer. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Probably not. You're way more holy than me. There's this show, and I, I, I have to be honest, I literally love this show. It's so crazy. But it's called Baggage. Have you guys heard of it? All right, good. I'm not the only one. It, it's, I, I, I shouldn't say it's my favorite show, but it's very interesting. I'll put it like that. And it's where these people come in. It's like a dating show, classic dating show. But they actually carry their baggage, and they're going to slowly reveal. A, first, they're going to start with a, a small piece of baggage. And they're insane things. Like, I like to eat spiders or, like, you know, like I still, I still um, like uh, snuggle with my mom to fall asleep. Like just weird like stuff. Or like I like to eat my toenails. Like just crazy stuff. I mean, just stuff. Or like I believe in, in aliens. And like I'm not beating up on somebody that believes in aliens. But just really, it's like their little bags. And then, then in the next round, they go to their second bag. And then they, they kind of switched up. And the person has to decide which baggage is too much without knowing what face goes with what. Okay. I didn't think I was going to talk about baggage in my sermon today, but obviously I like the show. Um, and so they, they get their second bag, and then they have to base based on their baggage. I can't accept your baggage. And then finally they get to the third baggage, and, and it's just really something just way off the wall. That just you, you it just has to be like scripted because this stuff is just wild, um, you know. And then they open the third one, and then the person who's been doing all the I can't accept your baggage now the other person gets a chance to. They open their big third one, and that person gets the can you accept my baggage? And we both have to accept each other's baggage. And that's the reality of the world that we live in, is that we all have baggage. If we were carrying it today, we couldn't carry it today. And the beauty of what God calls us to is to come to his feet and drop all that baggage, because we all got it. Um, but I, I think just going into it, and, and not with this blinded eyes, like their past doesn't matter to me, or this blinded idea, like I want somebody without baggage, because you're not going to find it but looking at it and saying, God, give me grace for them. Pray for grace for me. And, and, and here's the thing that for, for all of us that have fallen short of the glory of God, and I'm in that, and all of us are, by the way, Romans 3.23. Um, as we begin to understand our own faults and our own sin, and we see how much we need mercy and how much we need grace, it's so much easier to offer it for other people. It's so much easier because I realized I needed a whole lot. Even Paul said, "I got this thorn in my flesh. I cannot. It's driving me nuts." Some people think it was like people who was persecuting him, or other people. Some people think it's something to do um, with some kind of sin in his life that was, pers- you know, he couldn't get past, and it was a thorn in his flesh. But it keeps us running back and saying, "God, it's your grace that's sufficient for me." It's through my weakness that you're made strong. And so if you feel weak today in any of these ways, whether it's from baggage or um, your past or whatever like that, come. just know that God's grace is sufficient for you and that it's in our weakness that he's made strong. And the last one um, that I think is a big one for, for many singles um, today, and uh, you may think it right now in this room, if you're married or, or divorced or, or wherever you're at, there must be something wrong with me. I mean... Some of you have thought about this, but there must be something wrong with me, and the truth of the matter is there may be something very right with you. There may be something wrong with you. I don't know. But I I would really reject that and say that's a lie from the enemy, that uh, there may just be something very right for you, that God is just pruning us, and he's wanting more for us. It's not to restrict us. It's not to keep us lonely. It's not to keep us broken, No, God, in his church, he's provided opportunities for a lack of unity in family and community. He's provided opportunity for healing through the blood of Jesus. And if you've been saying that to yourself, I just want you to reject that and bind that up, because it's not true. There may be something very right with you, um, that God's wanting to use you for his specific purposes and and I, I just want to begin to close with a, a scripture and just sharing my heart and encouraging everyone in the room today. And it's First uh, Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. You guys are doing this. I love our church. We don't have a whole lot of drama here. I love this church for that reason because it, it would be annoying to pastor a church that was full of drama. It seriously would because I have to put out all these fires and I don't have to do that stuff. Thank God you know, but that's what God calls us for. We're going to have that stuff, but that's what who God wants us to be. But he's put us here together, single, married, divorced, wherever you're at. Single, married, really the only two. And therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build each other up. And I believe that God really wants to, to speak into our lives today about our identity in Christ. When we were in Kenya, uh, uh, we had some women's conferences, like a couple of days of just pouring into women. It was a beautiful time. And I love when I get opportunities to speak at like a women's seminar. It just seems silly. and uh, But something God really laid something on my heart when we were there, actually, um, two weeks ago today. We were there in their church, and it was to speak to these women about identity and how important having our identity founded in Christ. And the truth of the matter is that many of us, our identity... We don't feel like it's complete unless it's with someone. And and you could say that about my life, that uh, I went from a relationship to a relationship and, you know, marriage and never had my identity rooted in Christ. And, you know, you may be right, you may be wrong, I don't know. But I know that God's put us here for a reason. And for each one of us, in whatever season it is, if you view it as a gift or a curse, know this, that God is wanting to press in and get at the center of our identity that our identity wouldn't be in our, our careers or wouldn't be in uh, even our marriage, but it would be in him and out of from that place all good things would flow concerning who he's created us to be. So if you're single in this house, I just want to say take on the stress that God's given you in your life um, with just grace, with focus, and with strength. Take it on. You're not less than, you're more than. God wants to use you in this season. Take on the responsibility God's put in your life right now with diligence and excellence. He's going to raise you up. He's going to use you. And I'm meaning this sincerely. He wants to use you in this season of your life. And I, I believe there's a couple of things that we've got to quit doing. I want to encourage us to quit doing. I'd say quit envying everybody else's life. We just need to take that in for just a second because every person in this room does it. Every single person in this room quit Envying other people's lives. Quit looking at their highlights on social media and staring at your your low lights. Quit envying other people's lives. Embrace the life that God's called you to lead. You're not less than, you're more than. Quit mapping out the future. Embrace the present. This generation's so good at having a 20-year plan, but we don't have a two-week plan of walking with the Lord. We don't have a two-hour plan of how we're going to pour out our hearts to Him and sacrifice and give, give Him our lives. So quit envying other people, quit, quit planning out the future and just embrace the present, I'm not saying don't plan, I'm the biggest planner on the planet, it's a lot of peace. But, but we get so focused on those things that we can't really live and embrace what God's calling us for right now, and here's what I'd say to us, and this is, I remember one of the first times I saw my wife, I wish she was in here, she's in the nursery today, because I'd get brownie points or something, I call, cookie, I call them cookie points because she usually makes me cookie when I'm real sweet. so I love cookies. so um, but I remember seeing her for the first time, and she was way out of my league. I just she's way out of my league. You guys know that if you've been around her. but um, I, I just remember looking at her and, and I was moved. She was beautiful, but really what I saw in her is just the way she treated people, and I saw her worship God. And that was so sexy to me. I was just like, yes, that's what I want. I want a woman that loves you, Jesus. I want a woman that treats people like they want to be treated. Um, And I remember that. And just the more and more I've I've been with her, the more and more I'm convinced that we're so often connected and um, focused on the outer, but really be attracted to the things that last and to the things that matter, not the things that won't, things that don't. Be attracted to the things that matter more than the things that don't and the things that won't. Because at the end of the day, beauty fades, character doesn't. It stands the test of time. And so that's, my, that's the only dating advice I've got for you is that last one. The rest of them is just about pursuing Christ and being sacrificial. And if you're married in this house and you've been selfish kind of came into that mindset, and never really changed, never really clicked. I encourage you, begin to lead, begin to live a sacrificial life for Jesus, and watch what he does in your life. If you feel in this message that God's wanting to take some baggage, take some things from your life, go back to the scripture and see what it says, that it's for your good, it's not to restrict us, it's for our good. You put a fence around your dog in your yard so he won't get hit by a car, not because you hate your dog. God loves you. We can't fathom, bonus points, God, you can't, we can't fathom how much God loves us. We can't fathom his great love for us today. I want to invite you to stand. And though I'm preaching about singleness today, I know that God's speaking to every single one of us in the house, and he's drawing every single one of us closer, and so I want to invite you to come closer to him.